Our scripture passage this morning is Luke chapter 1, focusing on 67 through 80, Zechariah's song. But we're going to begin the reading in verse 57. So that's actually on page 1,589 in your pew Bibles. 1,589. Before we read, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, bless the reading and preaching of your word, Lord. May you work by your spirit to enlighten us that we may see more clearly your glorious Son, Jesus Christ, and that his glory may reflect upon us as we transition from glory to glory. And we pray, Lord, that you would do your work in us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here now the reading of God's holy, inspired, and infallible word. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was loosed and began to speak, praising God. The neighbors were all filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in the spirit and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. May he... Blessed to the hands, hearts, and minds of his people. Many of you, I'm sure, are familiar with the story. Zechariah was in the temple doing his uh, duties as a priest when he was uh, visited by Gabriel the angel. And Gabriel the angel gave Zechariah the message that his wife was going to have a child. And much like some of the people who were visited by God in the past, Zechariah doubted. He did not believe. He said, how can this be when my wife is so much older? And 
Um, we've been, you know, never been able to have children, uh, sort of like what Abraham did earlier in Israel's history. And so, Gabriel said, I'm in the very throne room of God. I've come to you. I've said this. And because you have not believed me, you are not going to be able to speak until your son is born. And so, um, eight months, nine months, Zechariah is mute. He can't speak. And so the, the question that I would want to, to give to you as sort of a, uh, an exercise is if you were unable to speak for nine months, what would be the first words you would say? Who would you want to say them to? I feel the longer that we go without speaking, the more weight those words hold, right? I think about the little daughter in the movie, The Patriot. She doesn't speak throughout the whole movie, and then finally at the end, um, she speaks in order to say that she loves her father. The longer that we go without speaking, the more those first words hold weight. And so, if, if we didn't speak for nine months, for eight months and we, had, we finally were able to speak, what would be the first words we would say? And who would we say them to? Well, that's what Zechariah does here in his song, in our series, Songs of the Savior. The, the last of the Hebrew Psalms and the first of the Christian hymns. Our theme this morning is, like Zechariah, share the good news of the redemption that has come. My encouragement to you is, like Zechariah, share the good news of the redemption that has come. In this song, Zechariah has two points, mainly. The first is a proclamation of praise to the Lord because the Savior has come. And the second is a word to his son, the prophet, telling his prophet son what he would do, what he would accomplish, what he would be a prophet for. So let's look at these two points. The first is the Savior has come. And this interesting story of the birth of John the Baptist um, is interesting because in that day, the name you would give your son would be somebody's name from the family. And so they wanted to name him uh, Junior, Zechariah Junior. And uh, the name, you gave the name on the day that the child was circumcised, the first son. And so, uh, we're going to call him Zechariah Jr. And Elizabeth said, no, his name's John. And so they defer to, uh, to the father, Zechariah. Have you heard this? This woman? You know what she wants to name your son? John, there's nobody in your family who has the name John. Why is she doing this? And Zechariah, of course, says, no, his name will be John. Sketches it on a board. And uh, that's when his mouth opens. And we're told immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was loosed and began to speak, praising God. And this is what he said when his mouth was open. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come. And has redeemed his people. What's interesting about both Mary's song and Zechariah's song is it's all spoken in the past tense. 
as if it's already happened. Oftentimes, this is called the prophetic past because when God has spoken, even if it hasn't come to pass yet, it's as good as it has, as, as it has come to pass. Because what God says will come to be. And so, Zechariah says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. Is he saying this about his son, John? No, continue reading. He's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. This horn of salvation through the house of his servant David. Zechariah here is speaking of the coming Savior, Jesus. And we know that Prior to John's birth, Mary was there visiting with Elizabeth and Zechariah. And she was pregnant with Jesus, the Savior. And we heard about last week the interaction between John the Baptist in the womb of Elizabeth and Mary. And Jesus in the womb of Mary. And so we see here that this is a proclamation that Zechariah is making about The coming Savior. The Savior has come. He is proclaiming the good news that the Savior has arrived. Zechariah is of the Levite family. He's a priest in the temple. He's not of the family of David, nor is his son John. And so he is proclaiming that God has entered into time and history, taken on flesh, and he has come. He's raised up strength, horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he has prophesied through the holy prophets long ago that there would be someone who would come of the Davidic line, that there would be someone who would come and he would be called the Messiah, the Mashiach, the anointed one. He would be the one who would bring Israel back to its glory days. He would be the, wrong, the one whom through all the promises would be fulfilled, the promises of peace and prosperity. And that's what Zechariah goes on to describe. What is this horn of salvation going to do? Verse 71, salvation from our enemies, from the hand of all who hate us. To show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. This is Zechariah, just like Mary, pulling from all the language of the Old Testament and the Psalms, grabbing things here and there like a hodgepodge, like a, a melting pot of all of the Old Testament realities and saying this is what the horn of salvation that has come from the house of David is going to accomplish. Salvation from our enemies, from the hand of all who hate us. 
To show mercy to our fathers and remember his holy covenant. Remember, this is like the new exodus. This is 400 years of silence from the Lord. 400 years of living under the toil of the Roman Empire and other leaders. Greek and Roman leaders living in the promised land but not really having the promised land. They are waiting for a new exodus. And here is God speaking again. Moving again. God has heard the cries of his people. He's remembered his covenant, the one he spoke to Abraham. What did he say to Abraham? He said to Abraham, your descendants will be like the sand on the seashore, the stars in the sky. He said to Abraham, I will be your God. You will be my people. He said to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And so Zechariah, he echoes that Abrahamic covenant language. He says, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. You can almost get a picture in your mind of what Zechariah is speaking about. Those promises that were attached to the land. God said, I will bring you to the promised land. I will free you from all of your enemies. You will have peace. You will have rest on all sides. And you will be able to freely worship me there where there is no fear. And there's many people who have kept those realities locked into the idea of that piece of land in Israel, in the Middle East. But there's something deeper going on. There's something that that promised land and that rest that God spoke of and the blessing that God spoke of and the enemies that God spoke of that's deeper that's deeper than what seems to be on the surface. A rest still remains for the people of God because it's not simply the promised land that God has promised to give to his people. That, that's making it too small. It's actually the world. That God has promised to give to his people. Well, Carrie, what are you saying? Well, the meek shall inherit the earth. That all those things that God was pointing to in the Old Testament, in the promise of, of the covenant with Abraham. that's coming through the work, the accomplished work of Jesus Christ, the Messiah of the Davidic line, was about giving freedom from the greatest enemy, the enemy of all enemies. Death, Satan, the flesh. These are the enemies behind 
the enemies. This is the enemy that we have that we realize we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but rather, this is spiritual warfare. In Jesus Christ, those enemies are defeated. Finally. Because if, if you just wanted a piece of land, you could go and you could pick, take some weapons and you could defend all the people off your land and you could, you could put up borders and you could have safety there. But do you think that safety is going to last? No, God has come to restore all of earth. To take sin and the curse away from it in Jesus Christ. And so what it means to be rescued from the hand of our enemies is to be rescued from the world, the flesh, the devil. And to enable us to serve him without fear means, what's the picture of the new Jerusalem in Revelation? One of the things it says is it says the gates are never closed. Why do cities have gates? And why do they close? They close at night to keep the bad people out. And the new heavens and the new earth, you don't need that. Because now we can serve him without fear. Fear of our own condemnation or fear of those on the outside or fear of any wickedness or evil going on because it's all gone. And God has redeemed us and the world. And that's why in Jesus Christ we will be able to serve him in holiness and righteousness before him all our days into eternity. And Zechariah, he is the one realizing these things are coming about in his day, in his time. He hasn't been able to speak for eight months, nine months. He has not been able to say a word. And the first chance he gets to say a word, what does he do? He praises the Lord for the Savior that has come. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. I'm sure that most of us have not been mute for the last eight months, but the encouragement to you is still the same. Like Zechariah, share the good news of the redemption that has come in Jesus Christ. This season, do not be afraid to say what Christmas is really about. Do not be afraid to say, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. What Zechariah said so many years ago could still be said today. And God has come. The Savior has come. That's good news. The second point is the prophet has come. The second part of Zechariah's song is moves from praising the Lord, speaking about him and the salvation that has come in the Savior, 
that the Lord has brought into this world, that the Lord is, uh, um, has brought through the house of his servant David, to now speak into his son, his just-born son, like a blessing, a benediction upon his son. And he says, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. John the Baptist is much like these songs of the Savior, right? We could say that he functions as a bridge between eras. He's the last of the Old Testament prophets and the first of the New Testament prophets. He's the one that God sends before the Savior, before the Mashiach, the Messiah, the Anointed One comes to till the ground to prepare the way, to make those paths straight in the wilderness. And Zechariah proclaims this about his son John's life. John, you are going to be called a prophet of the Most High. And it will be true that later on in Jesus' ministry, when he's confronted with John's followers who come to him when John's in prison and wants to know if if Jesus really is the one that they've been waiting for, Jesus will say, go and tell them what you see. The deaf are healed, or the blind see, and, and the poor are, are set free. And, um, and the good news is preached to the poor. And, and, and Jesus then turns to the people, and he says, who is this John? Do you, what, if you believe it, he is Elijah. He's, he's no greater prophet has come. And Jesus said this of his cousin. And so he was called a prophet of the Most High because he went on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. And that's exactly what we read about John the Baptist. That as he enters into his prophetic ministry, as he comes out of the wilderness with camel hair and eating honey and locusts, looking much like Elijah the prophet of old, We're told that Isaiah prophesied about him. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. John comes. To prepare the way, to share the good news of the redemption that has come. He goes on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. God sends a prophet before his son to prepare the way, to be a pointer to, 
to be the one that says, your hearts have been hardened. You need to repent. You need to be baptized. You need to realize that you are sinners in need of salvation. I've come to prepare the way for the one who's coming after me, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to wear, the one who will come to me and I will say to him, you are the one that should be baptizing me. John the Baptist is the one who says, no, it's not me. It's Jesus. There is one greater than I. He must become greater. I must become less. His attitude, his perspective, his position about wanting to point to the cross, point to Jesus, point to someone who is greater than him is the perfect expression of the evangelist, of the prophet. The one who says, let's not talk about me. Let's share the good news of the redemption that has come in Jesus Christ. John says, not me, he. In Zechariah's song, his blessing given to his son expresses that very reality. When he talks about his son being the prophet that has come, he says, you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. You will give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. You'll begin to till that hard ground. You'll begin to make warnings about the coming judgment. You'll begin to tell people that salvation has come, that God has visited his people. John is is sort of like the person that, that looks out the window and says, the boss is coming, everybody, look like you're working. Because God has arrived. But even the sending of this prophet is an expression of God's love, his tenderness, his mercy. Because as John comes, he is pointing to the good news of the redemption. That has come. And these last two verses of this song I find very beautiful. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. You see, Zechariah envisions himself, and you can almost see. The picture created by these words, can't you? It's dark, pitch black. And people are living in darkness. Remember, 400 years without a prophet. 400 years without God speaking to his people. They've gotten used to living in darkness. They've gotten used to living in the shadow of death. It it seems natural to them. It seems that this is the way life is. 
They've grown accustomed to it. Their eyes have adjusted. They're living in the dark. They are under the burden of this darkness. They are under the burden of these hard times and these difficult times. And there comes the sun peeking over the horizon. And the light begins to illumine all that's been in the dark. And they realize that this place they've been in is filled with booby traps and mines. And they could have stepped on anything and died in an instant. But God in his mercy has sent the sun to shine upon them. So they can be guided on their feet into the path of peace. And Zechariah says... My son, you are not the sun that shines in the darkness. You are the one who, as the sun begins to crest over the horizon, and those living in the darkness, who have become so used to living in the darkness... Don't want to acknowledge it. Don't want to see that the sun is shining. You're supposed to go up to them and you're supposed to tap them on the back and say, Look, the sun, it's shining, it's coming. You're supposed to be the one that shares the good news of the redemption that has come. Zechariah says to his son, John, John, your glory, your glory is found in bringing glory to him. And the same is true for us. Like Zechariah, this year, share the good news of the redemption that has come in Jesus Christ, our Savior. He is the horn of salvation for us has been raised up in the house of his servant David. He is the mercy to our fathers. An expression of God remembering his holy covenant. He is the foundation of the oath swore to our father Abraham. He is the one who has rescued us from the hand of our enemies and enabled us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before God all our days. He is the tender mercy of God. He is the rising sun come to us from heaven to shine on us who are living in the dark and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. If you were unable to speak for months on end, what would be the first words you would say? And who would you say them to? Uh, Maybe they would be something like Zechariah's words. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. Congregation, share the good news. Jesus has come. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to see that you have come 
in Jesus Christ the Lord, that the Savior has come and redeemed us, but that he's also coming again. And we pray, Lord, that we this season would be much like John and Zechariah, who are called to point others to Jesus, to salvation in him, to the good news that he has accomplished, redemption, and that we need only believe in him, trust in him, and have faith in him. And we pray, Heavenly Father, this year and all the years to come, we will be those that would share the good news that you have brought redemption. You've come. You've redeemed your people. May we speak boldly with gentleness of the good news every chance we get. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.